Well, part of this series we've been going on for the last few weeks, oh, I should have a couple introduction things. If I drop all my papers on the floor, Kevin, <laughs> you've got to come pick them up. And if I start to lean like this, well, somebody might have to come up and push me back. But as long as I'm holding on, I should be good for the two-hour sermon I have. <laughs> Actually, the benefit of having this hip and it being pretty new is that um, I had to take 43 pages off this. So there's a blessing already, and we haven't even started. So let's get going. So this morning, we are going to continue our sermons on wisdom. And let's be reminded the definition of wisdom is the capacity, capability of the mind to allow us to understand life from God's perspective. Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. Today we will touch on emotions. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all have emotions. We were given them by God for our benefit. Somebody might want to go and check that. Um, I don't have my car keys on me, so it's not my fault. Um, we all have emotions. We were given them by God for our benefit. And all these emotions are a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one <laughs> circumstance, circumstance, mode, or our moods, and a relationship with others. And I'm going to start dancing in a minute because that's got a beat to it. Uh, we can look now at the book of Proverbs for most of our texts, but also in James and in Matthew. So a proverb is a short, wise, easy-to-learn saying that calls a person to action. There we go. Yeah, somebody said amen to that. Um, the book of Proverbs focuses on God, his character, and blessings, and it tells us how we can live in a close relationship with, to God. So we know that Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, was the son of King David and was a very wise man. But he became wise because God asked him, what would you like? And he could have said multitudes of things. But he said, I'd like to have a discerning heart. God liked that answer. And he blessed him. Not only did he bless him, oops, not only did he bless him with a discerning heart, but he gave him riches and power and an error of peace. So there's about 12 categories of emotions. Adoration, amusement, anger, awe, confusion, contempt, desire, disappointment, distress, fear, interest, and sadness. I'm, I'm hollowing. Um, so you can see this list we have all had them in our daily lives. How we react in certain moments shows us how much wisdom we have on the forefront of our minds. Too much of one's emotion can lead to one being lost in the moment, acting poorly, or losing sight of what is in front of you. 
We can just picture ball games, hockey games, situations where the emotion of the joy is over a zoom. Like, it's just like, wow, you guys got to cool down. Or the part that we're going to get into, which we'll speak of. The one I want to highlight today is anger. Not just ours, but also God's. In Matthew 5.21, it speaks of, we are not to murder for they will be subject to judgment. But, in 22, it says, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anger in this case is a sin because it, what? it violates God's command to love. And again, we will see in the following verses of Proverbs that anger can cause us to be seething, have a bitterness towards those that we run into. It is a dangerous emotion that always threatens to leap out of control, leading to violence, emotional hurt, increased mental stress, and most of all, spiritual damage. Anger keeps us from developing a spirit pleasing to God. You all know me as this fun-loving, happy-go fella who handles each situation with love, <laughs> mercy, and grace. Yeah. It gets better as I get going. I haven't finished that yet. Um, I can look so someone who looked in the eye and they will see this compassion and concern, the I feel for you look. Okay, maybe not all the time. But it's in here. I just need to remember to be wise and apply it and what God has given me, his love. And this thing I'm going to throw away in a second. Um, I must remember all that I have messed up in my life and try to apply it to the situation and give it understanding. There are times in our lives when people do, when people do things that aren't in their best interest because they are upset or so focused on their truth or beliefs that they just can't think straight. They end up causing a disturbance that they might look back on and feel embarrassed or sorry for. Other times they just get, I'm gonna use the word madder, but more mad, until they lose complete control and cause harm to someone. And we can just go wherever you like to go with that one. Myself included, I grew up angry at my living conditions my quality of life, and my circumstances. Even the way I thought of others became the why me syndrome. And that starts to block out all the good things in your life that you have. And if you've heard my testimony before, you would have spoke on that. It affected my relationships with my siblings, my marriage, and on my, on my children. When you grow up with parents that struggle with their relationship, you start to take on their personalities and traits, which was by, live by the iron fist, ruled by fear 
not love. Unless you seek his wisdom and start looking at things differently, this will carry on all through your life. You'll find yourself on the outside of your family uh, with the little so-called friends that you have and end up hanging with people who will lead you down a path of destruction. It has taken a lot of years and more than a few sessions with people who spoke wisdom into my life that helped turn most of this around. I still have a very short fuse, but it's not stuck to a stick of dynamite anymore. Maybe a firecracker. But even most of the time, the wick's wet and it just doesn't go off. I have learned more about how to diffuse situations with words of encouragement and understanding and trying with great difficulty to listen instead of jumping in and adding gas to the fire. So let's look at James 4.1, which says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battles within you? What are the things in your life that you haven't got rid of? Some hurts, some disappointments, being overlooked, being not valued. These are areas that we store up in, inside and then one day the grenade goes boom and innocent bystanders get hurt from something that had nothing to do with them or the situation. So let's now investigate the book of Proverbs of what God is saying about this anger issue. We can turn to Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered man does foolish things and a crafty man is hated. Do you remember lashing out at someone or worse, striking someone? It probably was not what you thought you were going to do. But then you might even have justified it. And usually there is an underlying issue. We get frustrated over something we want done or expect it to be done in a certain way and it doesn't happen. And suddenly someone who might have just tried to help gets verbally assaulted and you can't figure out why because you think they're at fault. On the other side, a crafty person is always trying their best to get one over on you, is hated and wonders why they're on the outs. And that's the sad part. They say they don't care, but inside they probably do. They are crafty and make like they are your friends, like Satan. They don't really care about you. They want something you have, and when it is gone, so are they. Or they are jealous of you and will go all out to destroy your dreams. They think they are getting ahead, but that all comes around in the end when the judgment is given. So Proverbs 14, 29. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly, or folly, which means lack of good sense or normal prudence and foresight. Anger divides people and can destroy everything in its path, friendships, families, co-workers, and eventually even themselves. Anger pushes us into hasty decisions that only can cause bitterness and guilt and it can spread to others just as quickly as a forest fire. Before you know it, it's out of control, and sometimes the first person acts like they had nothing to do with it, or the outcome. Think of a moment. Is your bitterness leading you 
you didn't go, want to go, or is it leading you to a place you didn't want to go? Or the guilt is something you haven't fixed. You just can't sweep it under the rug because eventually you will trip over the bump in the middle of the carpet, which will cause you more harm and embarrassment. Anger itself is not wrong. It can be a legitimate reaction to an injustice and sin. When you feel yourself getting angry, look for the cause. Are you, are you reacting to an evil situation that you are going to set right? Or are you responding selfishly to a personal insult? What we need to do is to pray that God will help us control our quick temper, channeling our feelings into effective actions and conquering selfish anger through humility and repentance. Proverbs 15:18 says that a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. I remember one day we were at Nick Nicole Center and we were having a it was a Saturday, I think, and we were having a volunteer appreciation day. And then the parking was pretty limited, and someone came in upset and that said, some jerk, a.k.a. me, had parked too close to him, and he couldn't get out. So Mark, our minister at the time, said, I'll come with out with you for my protection, because it could have gotten ugly quickly. My choice at the moment was to be calm, or I could have been angry that he was interrupting my time and went out with an attitude and turn a little situation into something big and messy. But a compliment on him being safe and thanking him for not trying to move and damage both cars and the reason for why I had parked there quickly turned it around. And we invited him in and his female friend inside. Threats could have been made or were made to call the police like it was the end of the world, but calm overcame that. And in the long run, it turned out fine. And I had spoken to both of them multiple times after that Saturday. You see, the path of, an upright, of the upright doesn't always seem easy. But look at the alternatives. Hatred, dissension, laziness cause problems that the upright person does not have to face. Upright doesn't mean that we're without sin or being perfect but their life is smooth level road because it is built on a solid foundation of love for God. They just look at life differently, take it one day at a time. And I remember one of my landlords, Frank Gillen, he had just this easygoing demeanor about things. He didn't get worked about too much. He says, how and what can I do about it? Sometimes it was just water running off a duck's back and he'd let it go. Other times he'd step into the situation. But he always had this calmness, this understanding like, I can't control everything. I can't do everything about every situation. But I'm going to walk into it with a calmness. He was a great example of a peaceful man. Proverbs 19.11 says that a man's wisdom gives him patience. You hear that, men? Patience, um, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. 
Again, we see that being slow to anger adds clarity to the situation. If we can step back at it and look at from Jesus' point of view, looking for all the reasons why, maybe we see something in it that is causing him to act the way they act. And we can add some compassion or sensibility to the moment. Sometimes you just must fight your pride and walk away and give it up to God. Be the bigger person. Don't write off someone who challenges you. There might be truth in what he or she says. Receive the words with humility. Carefully think them over. If you discover what you need to change an attitude or an action, take the steps. Next is Proverbs 22, 24, 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. We tend to become like those we spend a lot of time with. Even the negative characteristics sometimes rub off. The Bible exhorts us to be cautious in our choice of companions. Choose people with characteristics you would like to develop in your life. People like this are always looking for the next thing to be angry about. And then you look for those to jump aboard, going back to the tempered man. Today with the internet and all the social media, it doesn't take long for someone to gather support for their way of thinking. I think it has a place, but I also think we spend way too much time on it. And growing up, I remember some things that fell into, into, I fell into because of others' dreams or ambitions. And I took the hit. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't what I set out to do. It wasn't even something I thought they wanted. But when I decided to follow, everything after that was on me. I got the consequences that I deserved, and I couldn't say it was his fault because I decided to follow. We want to blame everyone else for our walk in life, walk in life of doing what we're doing that gets us in trouble. The decisions we make, the roads we travel. We we know that there is a time when we are misled or we are treated bad, but it's how we handle it that makes a difference. Do we learn to Do we learn from it? What do we learn from it? Do we seek help? Or do we wallow in it and waste a good portion of our life in the past? So before we jump into someone else's plans, ask yourself, is this what I'm willing to pay? Or more importantly, is this in the best interest of the one I'm supposed to be following, Jesus? Now in Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. So the question is, who are you following? I'm gonna charge you to a mission in a minute. (laughs) Sidebar. (laughs) Who's in control of your thoughts right now? Um, you'd be surprised how many churches have fallen because a person doesn't see the way the leadership sees things and gets upset 
and starts to stir the pot. They look for those that are weak, that are looking for someone that is stronger. And they can convince them that this what they are thinking. And all kinds of sins up, unfold, lies, gossip, trust issues. And then many people are involved without even knowing why. They just pick a side and hope they're right. God sees this and wonders why, why they have this kind of hostility towards each other and more importantly, his children. You see now why anger, that it is self-motivated, just blinds us. It covers all common sense and we get so focused on the subject that after a while we are angry at everyone and everything and will not settle down and listen to sound reasoning. Things usually get out of hand. Friendships, neighbors, co-workers, feelings are hurt and sometimes physical harm is done. It clouds our judgment and we do things we would never think of doing. And if you look back in my back in my life, and if you look back in your life, you see where you just grabbed onto something and you were ugly about it. And no matter what anybody said, it just didn't make sense because you had a point and you wanted everybody else to get that point. But if we are seeking God's wisdom and living out our day-to-day lifestyle, we will n- may never get to that stage of frustration. We can look at things differently and then we can help others see more clearly, which means being involved in the messiness of other people's lives, where a lot of times we just want to turn and run, but we don't, and we get involved and things happen and God uses us. Proverbs gives us advice for developing our personal relationship with friends, family members, coworkers, In every relationship, we must show love, dedication, and high moral standards. What we say shows our real attitude towards others. Our speech is a test of how wise we have become. We have many ways we think to measure success, but God's way is having a good reputation, moral character, and the spiritual devotion to obey Him. And all these verses, what stuck out to you? Was it the positive lifestyle or was it the opposite? Did it hit a nerve on how you were handling your anger? Trusting the Lord has your best interest for living, shouldn't we pay a little more attention to the manual? Remember that wisdom is knowledge we learn or taught, but more importantly, how we apply it to our lives. How often did we refrain from lashing out at someone and feel proud about it? I didn't hit him. I didn't say anything bad about him. But self-control is good. But Christ wants us to practice thought control as well. Jesus said we will be held accountable even for our attitudes. Now I'll kind of flip this over a little bit. What angers God? And if you read in Matthew, it's the seven woes, 23, 14 to 36. 
not letting others enter the kingdom of heaven and not entering yourself. Converting people away from God to be like yourself. Involving yourself in every last detail and ignoring what is really important, justice, mercy, and faith. Keeping up appearances while your private world is corrupt. Had a nerve there? No. Acting spiritual to cover sin. Had another nerve there. And pretending to have learned from your past history, but your present behavior shows you have learned nothing. How many bags of whatever are you dragging behind you today? How many bungee cords have you got at the back of you dragging these things that you've given to God already? You've seek forgiveness for them. And God has provided because you've repented with a sincere heart. But as you walk away from that moment, the bungee cords are still attached to your hips and the sins and the unforgiveness and the things that we've committed in our lives comes right behind us. And year after year after year after year, we're struggling with something that we gave to God 20, 30, 40 years ago, last week. So part of these seven things that God that God has given us all his mercy and his grace and these seven things stick out to him and make him angry. Are you a good example to your neighbor? To your children? Or are you following in this? Are you sitting here in this morning and sin owns you? Deal with it. Ask for repentance, forgiveness. Take control of the situation. Become a wise man. Or woman, sorry. God is concerned with mercy, real love, and forgiveness. He has shown us his grace as we repent of these things and enlighten us with his wisdom as we seek it. In Psalms 30, uh, um, verse 5, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Some of us older folks know that kind of hymn. We have to pay attention. God stirs in us, and we know when we're doing wrong. He points that out. And we seek repentance. And rejoicing will come in the morning. So as I finish here, we see that we need godly wisdom to give us this, this thought control. But how do we get this wisdom? I'm gonna show you four ways. It says fear God. Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing in the beginning of wisdom kind of scares you and then kind of goes, well, now I got wisdom. Uh, what's he going to do? But in Proverbs 9.10, but how should we fear God? There's two types of fear. 
just a fear is the type of respect and love a child has for a parent. A fear of offending the one they most adore and trust. So the fear of the Lord is in that. The one that gave it all, gave us Jesus, gave us mercy, gave us grace, gave us eternal life. Why do I want to do something to anger the person that loves me the most? Knows all the seven things we've done before, and hopefully I'm, we, I, have dealt with that. And then the second part is, fear is a kind of fear that a prisoner has for his jailer or executioner. If you remember the very beginning, how I dealt with my family life. That controlled a lot of my life. And it went from that to the tongue, as Braden spoke on last week. It's a dangerous weapon. I will cut you down to size, one way or the other. Would have. And I try to change from that by God implementing love into my heart, showing me his mercy for me for all the things that I've done wrong. When he gets angry at me because you know this and you're not applying it. Still flawed, still sin, but working. Number two is desire wisdom. The second step into getting wisdom is desire it with all your heart. The Solomon says you must look at it as for silver and search it for it is a hidden treasure. It's in there. It's out there. But you have to desire it. You can remember in your relationships when you, you would start in and that person was, you desired that person and you did everything to make that relationship work. But you had to work on it. But desire it. And that comes from Proverbs 2, 4. Number three, pray for wisdom. As James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without holding or finding fault, and it will be given to you. James 1, 5. Pray for it. It just doesn't fall in your lap. Just pray for it. Put that on your heart, that it's on God's heart. And he will give you wisdom. <coughs> Study the God's word. The fourth step is getting wisdom in studying and meditating on God's word. See Psalms 19.7. We, should really we shouldn't really rely merely on our own understanding. Though, but we lean on the wisdom and insight produced by Christians throughout church history. Think of the people that you would come to today and seek wisdom for. Leadership, friends that you know that are solid. That's how you seek it. That's how you learn. That's how you find. So, this is just a small look at anger, because this is as long as I can stand up. Um, but if you're having an ish, issue, seek wisdom from his word, 
seek it out from your elders, as I said. Get help. Don't let it destroy your life and especially the purpose that God has for you. Be reminded that you are loved and you are valued and God will help you build up your character and take you from this dark place into the light. So the band can, Brady, you wanna come? So if anyone is struggling or just needs a prayer, we will have people up front to help you deal with this. So like I said, it's a small tip of the iceberg. And if you wanna go to Proverbs, there's multiple verses. And study them. Study the one that's on your heart. Study the one that you're dealing with. If you're a crafty person. If you're short-tempered. Go to Proverbs. God will give you the words and how to walk out of it. Pray about it. Seek it. Don't be afraid to ask questions or ask for support because everybody in this room was in that same boat somewhere along their life. Everybody. No one's left out, including the speaker. <laughs>